Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. Whether it's choosing a piano teacher, tennis coach, advisor for a thesis or dissertation, mentor in our career, personal trainer, or decluttering consultant to spark more joy in our lives, how do we choose the people we choose? Logically, it would make sense for us to choose the person with the greatest expertise or the best track record of helping people achieve success. But then again, as neuroanatomist Jill Bolte-Taylor has said, although many of us think of ourselves as thinking creatures that feel, Biologically, we are feeling creatures that think. So do we do the logical or smart thing when we're teacher or mentor shopping and pick the person who in theory has the greatest ability to help us succeed? Or are we secretly influenced by other things, like compliments about how good we sound, how well we play, how talented we are, and so forth? We couldn't possibly be that susceptible to flattery, could we? An international team of researchers conducted a series of studies to look at this question, in part by analyzing how contestants on the reality TV show The Voice made their mentor choices on the show. In case you don't know how the show works, and for what it's worth, I totally didn't, The Voice is a singing competition, somewhat like American Idol, but where the contestants perform a blind audition for four judges who are professional musicians themselves. So it's a little like an orchestral audition, except that instead of the judges being behind a screen, They are sitting in chairs with their backs to the stage. And if the judges like what they hear and are interested in coaching and advising the contestant in the competition, they turn their chair around to face the artist to signal their interest in working with them. Some contestants get no offers for coaching, and others get just one interested coach. But then there are those whose performances move multiple judges to turn their chairs around, and these contestants must then choose which of the judges they would like to be coached and advised by during the remainder of the competition. So it's an important choice, and one they have to make on the spot, as the judges make a case for why the contestants should join their team. We'll get to the question of how contestants actually make their choice in a moment, but first, let's look at how potential contestants on the show predicted they would make their decision. The researchers approached 37 participants who were on their way to a regional audition for a spot on The Voice 
and asked how they would choose a coach if selected for the show and ended up in that position. They were asked to simply rank order the following criteria. One, expertise. A coach who has great expertise in the type of music they play. Two, mentoring experience. A coach who has many successful artists who won the show as mentees in the past. Three, personality fit how well they and the coach get along and enjoy their time together. Four, positive feedback. A coach who gives positive feedback and compliments about your performance. Five, honest feedback. A coach who gives honest feedback and criticism about your performance. And six, other. So which criteria mattered the least? Well, positive feedback was ranked significantly lower than any of the other criteria. Lower than expertise, lower than mentoring, lower than personality fit, lower than honest feedback. Okay, so that's what potential contestants say, but what would contestants on the show actually do? In a follow-up study, the researchers analyzed four out of the first five seasons of The Voice and found that there were 119 contestants who had to choose between at least two judges. Two coders were tasked with rating the positivity of each judge's behavioral reactions to the contestant after turning their chair around, like smiling, nodding along, and so forth. Then they analyzed transcripts of the episodes to determine the positivity of each judge's verbal reactions to the contestant, which might include phrases like, beautiful voice, amazing gift, so much passion, it's crazy how advanced you are, etc. And then another variable was the judge's area of expertise or the genre of music in which they specialized or performed themselves, because it would make sense for the degree of match between the judge's musical genre and that of the contestant to maybe be a potential deciding factor too. The researchers also determined the judge's advising experience by calculating the number of contestants that they had successfully coached to a win on the show. So what did the contestants actually do? Did they make decisions based on expertise and mentoring experience or on the positivity of the judge's feedback? Well, as it turns out, previous success in advising contestants to success on the show was not a significant factor in most contestants' decisions. And while expertise or genre overlap was a meaningful predictor of which judge the contestants chose, the amount of positivity expressed by the judges in the few minutes between turning their chairs around and the contestant making their choice was actually a stronger predictor of the contestant's choice than expertise. So what are we to make of all this? Well, first off, this study isn't saying that we throw expertise out the window when we make decisions about whom to choose as a teacher, coach, mentor, or advisor. It's just saying that we tend to vastly underestimate how much of an influence that mentor's positivity, enthusiasm, or flattery may have in our decision. So what are we to do about this? The researchers suggest that it's important to know this about ourselves when choosing an advisor, so we can take a step back and make sure we're not choosing someone just because they seem to think that we're great and pass up opportunities to work with mentors who might actually have more expertise, but are somewhat less effusive in their praise of our abilities. One suggestion they give is to have a checklist or to pre-rank our mentor choices so the emotion in the moment doesn't have an outsized influence on our decisions. On the flip side, when we are the potential mentor seeking to work with a new student or advisee, the researchers suggest that all things being equal, compliments, genuine ones of course, 
and expressing enthusiasm for working with that student, both in our words and actions or body movements, could be the thing that tips the balance in our favor. You can find links to this week's study and other resources like practice hacks and the audition cheat sheet at bulletproofmusician.com blog. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week.